podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Jonathan Pierce. Eric Cantona has jumped in and seen a kung fu kick. A fan. Terry Alderton. Do you like shoes, madam? And friends. <laughs> JP. The mad side of genius. And T. Good to meet you, love. The football friendly. Hello everybody, welcome to JPT, the football friendly and a big show we have for you today. So thanks very much for joining us because we're days away from the close of the transfer window and there's going to be a hectic week ahead of us, Terry, isn't there? It is going to be, it is going to be, it's always exciting, always very exciting. Who's your tips for what's happening, JP? Well, we wait to see. By the time people hear us, uh, Anthony will probably have joined Manchester United from Ajax around about £80 million. Um, he's a very, very bright player. He's precocious. He's got lots of character. But I think Manchester United think they're going to get a 20-goal a season player out of him. They're not. He's uh, not got twenty. He's not got 10 goals in league football in his career. So he's very young. He got 12 in all competitions last season and 10 the year before that he's a wide player I think they're spending £80 million for him it's a little bit too much for me probably half the value but uh, it's an insane transfer market Massive move for me, Terry, was Paqueta from Lyon to West Ham United. I've seen a lot of him over the last two or three years with Lyon. He's a sensational player. That's going to be Ma- something else with him and oh, Rice together. That could he's be massive for Brazil, you know. You look at the, the role these players play for Brazil and Paqueta is a regular, he's, he's massive yeah. for, yeah. you know, what's going to happen to Ronaldo in the last few days. But I can't start the programme before we go to our guests without a thought for Scott Parker. Sacked by Bournemouth, uh, he took a middling squad, really, back up into the top flight, given no money to spend mm. whatsoever. People will say, well, he knew, the, he knew the situation. He'd have known the situation there. His remarks before the season weren't exactly positive. The 9-0 at Liverpool was the straw that broke the camel's back. But uh, Liverpool in that sort of form could have beaten anyone four or five. Yeah, he also outed them as well, didn't he? I mean, he did actually say in the post-interview, uh, he said, you know, basically, I've been given no money to strengthen yeah. this squad. So I, he, he's out, I, out at the board, basically. I think remarks, remarks he made probably hasn't helped him over the opening no. weeks of the season. But to sack him so early on, £22 million to spend, it's, it's nothing in, the, in, 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 no. in, 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 a, you know, in a transfer market where... But it where, might be something to do with the stripes on his arm. What the, the jacket? He's stripy. He's stripy designer jackets. Yeah, I, I said in the match of the day commentary. I said it reminded me of a Spitfire in the Second World War with the markings they had. They cut that out. He also the, looks like Parker, doesn't he? From yeah, they cut that out though because the average age of match of the day audience probably don't know what Second oh, World no, War was. Of course. Anyway, Sorry to interrupt your joke there. Oh, I know. There you are. Um, so who have we got on today from the world of football? He's going to have a busy week, I would imagine, studying what's going on. He's been involved in uh, deadline week many, many times. Barry Neville's with us. Hello, Barry, football agent. Hi, JP. You all right? We go back a long way, don't we? We do, mate. Right back to your capital days. Yeah, yeah. And a great mutual friend, Bobby Moore, as well. That's right. And uh, you've got pictures all over your wall there. You got any of your famous clients on the wall behind you that people can't see? We can see it. Yeah, there's a few, mate. Mr. Sheringham, I suppose, is quite prominent. Teddy Sheringham, surely not. Yeah. <laughs> Teddy, steady, Teddy. And uh, who have you got with you? Who have you got with you today, Terry? Who have I got today? Oh well. Well, I don't know where to start with this man. Former former presenter of the Big Breakfast. Do you remember that? Yeah. The Big Breakfast. Uh, he's also a, an award winning writer. He's written a book, which is a five star book on on a certain uh, certain well known uh, website for selling books. 
Five Ooh. stars. Five stars across the board for, for four million people. It's amazing <laughs> what you can do when you ask people to flood the website with reviews. <laughs> don't don't break it. I'm introducing you. Twenty six point two miles and happy. Uh, a comedian. So, I remember com- watching Paul write it. Grandma. <laughs> He's a he's a comedian, of course. He's one of my best friends in the whole world, and he's a big Manchester United fan. Mm. It's Mr. Paul Tonkinson. Nice to see you, although I can't see you, but you can see me. We can't see him, but none of one can see you because okay, it's a podcast. Cool. cool, okay. One of the most famous people ever to come out of Scarborough, I would think, is Paul. Yeah, is that right, Paul? Yeah, very few people make it out of Scarborough. But, um, <laughs> I'm on, I, I took an early bus at the age of 12, and I'm with Bath. No, it was, Scarborough's a lovely place when you go back to it, but yeah, I, 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 I escaped. Um, and yeah, the, the transfer window looks great. I mean, in terms of Anthony, uh, when you talk about United, I think people accept that um, he's more of a playmaker. Um, but he does look good, though, doesn't he? I, I know everyone clips up well. I know everyone's highlight reel can look fantastic. But he, he does look very good on the ball, doesn't he? He's, he's, uh, he's going to give us more than Ilanga down that right side, although Ilanga's done his best. But Anthony, he, 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 at the end of the day, it just, it just seemed like United managed to scrape together a half-decent transfer window. What do you reckon? It'll be a buzz about him when he picks up the ball. He's he's mm. one of those players that can light up a game. But he's he's a character. Last season against Feyenoord, he he uh, he got booked eighty seven minutes. Big game that, mind you. Uh, it's Feyenoord. He mm. got booked for taking his shirt off, and then managed to get himself sent off for the second book, which didn't go down very well at the time. I think he's a character, you know. And I think at the moment Manchester United might need that because it's been a terrible. Mm. It's been a poor. It's been a shocking start. Yeah. Not well. It's it's the last two games we've seen something. I, I know what you mean, but it's all relative to the absolutely disastrous end of last season when a lot of fans just stopped watching. I mean, it was like we're not watching the team anymore. These guys just out of team. Martinez. You know, I'm always glass half full. Martinez looks great. He looks good um, now. He, do, I think he's going to be something, you know. He's really strong. It's incredible everyone keeps going on about his height when he just keeps winning. It doesn't matter about that. It's, it, it's, 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 the, the, you know, the, like Sooness and Simon Jordan, etc., just constantly digging him out for his height. He looks he looks a great player. Casemiro could could be massive. Obviously, he's used, Casemiro's used to playing with, like, the greatest players in the world. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to playing with um, McTominay, etc. But he's still a solid player. Martinez, Varane, with Casemiro and Fred in front of them, feels really solid. Eriksson um, looks a bit... Um, Obviously, it's amazing what he's come through. He looks a bit breathy, doesn't he? He looks like when you used to play Sunday League and they had a ringer in. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got, he's, got a slight, he's got a slight ball patch and he's brilliant on the ball, but he gets he, get, he gets tired a bit quick. But he's, he's fantastic to have in. Um, and Anthony, I, I think these are good These are good signings. These, uh, uh, overall, for the first time, it feels like I'm watching a team play who want to win for each other. And so that in itself feels positive. But that's amazing you're saying that within two games. I mean, yeah, but fans are like that, you, I mean, I mean fans yeah, of course, no, 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 I'm not I'm digging you out, but I would be the same observing as a neutral because you look at the Brentford game, it was it was a, a, a like a, a patch quilt of just of just and of course now look who's been dropped. You never think he would he was going to drop the players that got dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh Maguire we're going to Maguire's going to be a great He's going to come back. He's great on the ball and as a squad player. I, I just, there was something wrong at United. There's something, something, something was wrong towards the end of last season. What, what's the politics like behind the scenes there, Barry, though? Does that, does that make a difference, Bell? Uh, yeah, obviously it does. But, um, you know, I'm not party now to uh, what's going on behind, behind the scenes. You know, it's a totally different era now. Um, and I've not, not really known what's going on since... Uh, the current owners took over. To be honest with you, um, what what their ultimate goal is, uh, I think there's a big question mark. You know, what, what do they want? I think they'd sell at the first opportunity if they got the money that they want. You know, whether it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like they just want to rinse the club for as much money as, as possible, doesn't it? Really, they, they won't sell though because it's the highest revenue earning football club in England I know that's, um, that's, and probably in the world. So what you know, they're, they're not going to sell. You're going to be stuck with them, Paula. You know, you're going to be stuck I, with I the Glazers forever. Tell me, tell me if you're <laughs> why you said that forever. Um, it feels ever, like- is, ever is longer than purgatory. You're going to be stuck <laughs> with Glazers for longer than purgatory. It, 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 it feels odd that, that, that the Casemiro deal happened so quick because when it came on the table, I thought there's no way that's going to happen. It felt like they were reacting 
to fan disquiet post uh, post the first two games of the season. It felt like they were just they were just saying, let's please the fans by feeding them Casemiro and Anthony, and maybe they'll shut mm. up now and stop. Mm. Do you think it's as, as cynical as that? Or I mean, what what's going on there? What do you reckon? Are they react? Do you think they're, they're reacting to fans chanting for them to go? Or well, I think I think I, I think they reacted to the fans by getting the manager in because he's a fashionable manager. He's a young manager. He's done well in Ajax. I think if mm. he goes down the route of signing all Ajax players for Manchester United, they'll find he'll find it that the Premier League is a much different league, of course. Mm. Mm. Um, so, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to Ronaldo. I mean, Barry, from your point of view, you're looking from the outside. I know you are, but you've managed. Um, Big Manchester United names in the past. Ready, steady, Teddy was part of your stable. You're, if you're looking on it from the outside, Ronaldo, what happens to him now? What happens to him in terms of the rest of his career? He can't be sitting up. Ronaldo's one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. He can't sit on the bench for the whole season, can he? No, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought so. I, I think he's the sort of character that wants to play and play every game and every minute. And... Um... Where but where can he go to get Champions League football? I think that's the the big question, and supposedly that's what he wants. Um, yeah, I would have thought the MLS might be the next uh, vehicle for him. To be honest, there's, there's whispers about Napoli, isn't there? I don't yeah. know yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, yeah, but huge, huge wages, isn't it, to take on take on Ronaldo? Yeah. Um, he hasn't looked great when he's come on recently, actually. I mean, I don't know what his pre-season was like. He's normally in great condition. He didn't look great for the last 20 minutes of the weekend. He's obviously yeah. a brilliant player, but I don't know. It feels like the time might be right for him to go if he, if he, if he wants to. I think he's done there, personally. Yeah. I, think, I just think he's, he's just lost in the woods. He's, he's bobbing. He's a man just bobbing in the sea. I think he just wants to get out and cut it. Mm. I, he, he looks to me like someone who's gone, what have I done? Once he's, said back, that, yeah. once he's said that, yeah, it's, it sort of feels time to go, doesn't it? Especially yeah. if he doesn't suit the the, the pressing game that uh, that Tanag wants, and and, yeah. it, it, and he's too he's too good to be on the bench. Well, neither does Casemiro fit that as well. Pa- Casemiro can't press high; he hasn't no, been no, legs no, to it anymore. No, yeah, but the, no. I, when I saw them against Brentford, that horrible day I commented on the Brentford game, I did notice something with Ronaldo when the ball bounced off him. He couldn't recover it straight away. He mm. didn't have that explosive yard in him. I hope I'm. I hope I'm really wrong on this. Yeah. Um, but there comes be. there comes a time with every player. You look at them and think. Mm. Just wonder if the legs are still there. Yeah. Um, that, you know, that happened with uh, Teddy Sheringham. I mean, at, at 42, he decided he'd had enough. Yeah. Well, Ted never had any pace, <laughs> up, did he? <laughs> he had no longevity, isn't it, Teddy? I mean, what a great player. Great. Barry's got a great about this is a this is a story this you'll like this Paul being a Man United fan all Man United fans would like this story tell him the tell him the uh, Teddy Sherring and being signed for uh, uh, Man United um, this is lovely this is this is it's going back twenty five years now to is 90, it that long yeah summer of ninety seven was when oh, we got a phone call from Martin Edwards to ask if uh, Teddy would like to come up to Manchester to talk about moving there and uh, as they'd agreed a fee with Tottenham. And um, we did. And Cantona had uh, just left, obviously, and he wore the number seven shirt. Hmm. I'm sure you know that, Paul. Yeah. And, um, so we were there for a day at the Mottram Hall Hotel. We agreed a financial terms, etc. And then we had dinner in the evening with Martin Edwards and Sir Alex. And a, a very nice dinner. The, glo- the glory days. The glory yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, someone comes into the room and tells Sir Alex there's a car waiting to take him home. And he says, uh, before I go, um, Teddy, is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you'd uh, like to bring up? He said, because we're going to be really busy tomorrow. You're going to have your medical in the morning. And if you pass that, then there'll be the, the press in the afternoon, etc." And Ted's quite a deep thinker, and he looked at him and uh, said, um, I'd love to have the number 10 shirt. And uh, I, I don't know, do you, do you guys, uh, what's, what number do you associate with uh, Beckham? Number, number seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Martin Edwards has immediately jumped in and gone, Oh, Teddy, we can't do that. David, where's the number 10? Um, and then uh, Sir Alex has gone, Martin, don't worry about that. He said, uh, let Teddy have the number 10. He said, I'll give David the number seven, just vacated by Cantona. He said, that will appeal to his ego. 
yeah. <laughs> that's how Beckham became a number seven. Nice. Which was Georgie Best's number as well. It yeah, was probably. indeed. And, yeah. and Teddy, you, you, Teddy got Dennis. Dennis Law was ten, wasn't he? He was. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know whether Teddy ever mentioned it, but I, I did a disastrous uh, sort of corporate gig for Teddy once. Um, he, uh, he invited me to do a gig for his son's. I think it was his son's twenty-first birthday. I was there, Paul. You're joking, honestly. What, yeah, was, was, was it, was it, <laughs> <laughs> there we're going to find out the truth. Was it in Camden? That one at Camden? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were there. I'm, 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 amazed, I'm amazed I didn't burn the building down after that gig. I mean, listen, it was. It was the story was I got offered to do a gig for Teddy's son. Come down, it's his birthday. Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Gilgamesh in Camden? Is it Gilgamesh? I think so. Oh yeah, Gilgamesh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and um, well, I mean Barry. It wasn't an easy gig, was it? Let's be honest. No, it, it wasn't the perfect venue, was it? To, no, not uh, no, it, it, it was like it was. Every, a lot of people were eating. There was loads of booths. There was loads of people just. Sta- it was basically, as far as I can remember it. Obviously, I tried to eradicate it from my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me with Invictus. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was. I'll be honest. It was two grand cash in hand, of course, because it's ex football. It's that ex football of cash in hand thing. Um, so I thought, yeah, let's do it. Um, but it was just me standing in front of the, the family, just sort of, just sort of attacking his son <laughs> with very mixed results for about 15, 20 minutes. Because you couldn't do material. There's no, like, Terry, you know. There's yeah, no yeah, of course, there's I know there's... There's no yeah. stage. There's no... There's no... Yeah, there's no yeah, yeah. ...of a gig. It's like, where are you going to stand in this busy restaurant and do... Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Try and create Yeah, something. yeah. yeah. Um, court so, jester. You're like a court jester. Um, yeah, if, yeah, you're sort of... The, 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 the waiters have got more status than you. I mean, do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's literally the reality, isn't it? You know I mean? you're, you're making space for the waiters. You, you're basically just annoying everyone. But... Um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm amazed and saddened that you were there, Barry. I can't <laughs> I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> sorry, sorry. How did, how did the, the, um... That's not the wor- the worst one. The uh, I think um, you had Devro on, didn't you, uh, on on your podcast? And yeah, Devro did Teddy's fortieth birthday party, which was a dinner for about fifty people at a golf club. Right. Um, Teddy's dad was there, who was in his seventies, then Paul. And Davro decided he's trying to entertain these 40, 50 yeah. people. And he said, I'm going to do an Elvis number now. And he said, uh, has anybody here seen Elvis? And uh, no answer. Nobody had seen Elvis. <laughs> and he turned oh, to Teddy's no. dad and he went, Paul, you must have seen Elvis. And Paul went, no, no, I haven't. And he went, oh, don't worry. He said, you'll see him soon. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, so no, to Elvis for me in the morning. Oh, oh, oh no, I, I, uh, I've also been bitten by the Teddy, Teddy uh, gig as well. Teddy's got an appalling record in booking apps, hasn't he? <laughs> I've done it as well, but that was that actually quite is, mad. That old joke, isn't it? I didn't book myself. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, <laughs> what was, what was your, what, what happened with you, Ted? I did a, a Stuart Pearce evening with Teddy Sheringham. Um, uh, and notoriously difficult gigs for footballers, aren't they? I don't like doing football gigs, but this was actually a charity thing, so it was actually all right for me. I I survived, but uh, I do remember at times looking at Barry's face with him going with him looking at me going, no, no, no. Walshy <laughs> was there, and Bradley was hilarious. It was a good night. Anyway, we digress. They're terrible football. They, they used to have a comedian, you know, on the Football Rights Association dinner, the Football of the Year dinner at the end of the year. Yeah, it was such a tough gig they had to drop it because they just. It was no one's no one like you say no one's they're all eating no one's listening and it and it's, it's also world it's a world that uh, relates to itself isn't it it's like they all know each other really well they've, yeah. they've all got strong egos because you need it to succeed as a football yeah. because it's, it's so intensely competitive and it's not you're not really in the world as such are you as well you just you're in the football world. It's um, funny because when I watch them play and I'm commentating, lots of times they do make me laugh because some of them are so terrible. But of course, you can't say that in a commentary because you're not allowed to say anything ever, in commentaries ever, anymore. You must have little things between commentators where you say things like, like you're getting on a bit. He's getting on, he should have hung his boots up. There must be little in things. Oh, like there are. There's famous, you know, he's, oh, what a good club player he's been. That means he's, you know, fairly rubbish and no one else wants him. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, by his own admission, he's no, he's no, uh, he's no Linford Christie. That yeah, means yeah. he's, you know, slow as a donkey. That's and right. um, yeah. he's a little code words like that. But, you know, you, you know, because you have to be care- so careful now of what you say as a, as a commentator. And, you know, you can't upset anyone. You can't upset the audience. You can't upset the clubs. You can't upset the authorities. Yes. And, um, 
Yeah. And uh, there was a there's a story I'll tell you about the authorities. We were in World Cup 2006, and uh, I was the um, I was the first person into uh, Nuremberg um, to do a game there, and um, and the difference between being in Germany in '88 when I went over for the Europeans, the country hadn't really come to terms with what happened in '39 to '45, and it, they were still very quiet about it. In 2006, they had, and they wanted everyone to know they'd moved on. Um, so in Nuremberg, for example, there were all the signs for that you could go and see where the war crimes commissions were. You could see all these things. They, very, they fronted it up. They were very open about it and uh, very honest about it. So my opening line was, uh, welcome to Nuremberg, a city with a uh, haunted by a dark past, but now embracing the future and using 2006 and these World Cup finals to do that. Mm. That line had to go all the way up to the very, wow. very top of the BBC wow. before I could use it. And by the time it came back to me saying, yeah, you're okay to use that line, JP, the players are walking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd moved on. I, I, I used a different line. But that, that that's 16 years ago. Mm, mm. And now imagine what it's like now and what you can and can't say. It's very restrictive. Yeah. So what, 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 what this bit, bit of a swerve, but what did you make to the Richarlison thing at the weekend? The, uh, the keepy-uppies. Uh, keepy, keepy uppies. Well, you know, there's an old thing in, in what you'll know, Paul, from our generation of playing football, especially with the Premier League and English and British football, even Scottish football as well. And sure, let's lump in the Welsh. Um you know, if someone does anything like that, you you go through them, don't you? I mean, if someone's showboats on a pitch, the case, yeah. I mean, but I, I can imagine if we when we play, Paul is a, Paul is the loveliest man you'll meet, right? He's the dearest, honestly. I know he's me mate and whatever. You on a football pitch, arsehole. Uh, 100% arsehole Paul Duncanson come out keeper come out come out keeper <laughs> but I can imagine you you're ruthless You would, if someone did keepy uppies even a, a charity match you'd go through them you'd well, do it's something a, it, it's, it's, a, it's I think it's only people who play understand and obviously I've never I'm not I've, I've never played at any level I've played a bit of Sunday League or whatever but it's a sign of disrespect to the opposition isn't it it's just a blatant sign of hmm Show, there's, something, there's something about it that just really uh, affects people. People say football's about entertainment and work, you know, but when you're winning like that and it's just, I don't know, it felt, I don't, it just felt wrong for Richarlison. I mean, he got, he got quick justice, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and I, I just don't, I just don't think you can, you can act like that, you know, so I think, Weird. No, no, I mean the the, the the Tottenham fans would have loved it, wouldn't they? Because they see, see arrogance in the player. But uh, it's horrible for Forest and horrible for the Forest players involved as well. And, and you're right. Um, again, an old story from the. I remember being down at Bristol City when a very very young Garth Crooks arrived with Stoke and started juggling the ball up in the centre circle like that. And mm. unknown to him, a certain Norman Hunter, who was a Bristol <laughs> City player uh, at that time, uh, didn't take to this very much. And Nor Norman had a twenty yard run up. And Garth <laughs> coming over his shoulder and the whole crowd went ooh and bang your shit yeah and then Garth wasn't in any mood to do any juggle ups for the next 22 years there you go. well that's what um, happens isn't it Barry so, you know I wonder about the role of agents now and the role of agents then as agents then mentors are they mentors now would you have had a word with Richarlison if he was your if he was your client said you know regardless of what his manager said to him, would you might have pulled your player and give him a little bit of advice? Because you were you were an agent who who had a advisory role as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, li I'd, I'd like to think so, and yeah, um, you'd like to think that Richardson has uh, learned his lesson and he won't mm. do it again. But mm. yeah, that's, pro that's probably uh, part of his makeup and. Uh, He'll end up doing it again at some point, but uh... I mean, he's an arrogant player, is it? And, he, and he's a good player, and, he, and he's and he's pressing Song for a, for a, isn't he? For there's something happening with Song at the moment. He's not yeah, scoring. Yeah, well. he think he's yeah, his best. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's a wonderful player, Song. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, but Richard was saying he's good to have someone else up there, isn't it? Pressing them, and he set up playing lovely for that second goal, and it's all great, but. Yeah, if you're going to do that. But sometimes, though, sometimes some people in life, you know, and I think I'm one of those people, you know, competition's good, right? But I don't like competition. <laughs> I just want to be the only goalkeeper they want to pick, you know. Mm. And I think mm. maybe for Son, he might not like competition. I yeah, know that might be ridiculous. That's the feeling I'm getting. Yeah, because it's think been he likes it. pain, hasn't it? And it just, yeah. he looks a bit inhibited. It, I was watching him during the warm-up. Uh, um, at the weekend, and he just looked, he just didn't look happy. He just did not look, the body language was weird. He just didn't look right. But I mean, that, that's for him, that's for him and them and Conte to sort out. 
Um, and Richarlison is a dangerous player to to bring on, certainly, you know, to himself and others. You know. What's the competition like with stand-ups? If you if you if you're um, Royal Variety, say you've seen someone on the Royal Variety, do you sit there and think, how on earth did he or she get on that? Yeah, I of course we do. That. But but um, I, 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 yes, but I, Paul, tell him the story. Can you remember the story? Paul and I were out doing uh, the troops. We we're in uh, we we're in Iraq. And we were walking down. We just walked through the arch where Saddam used to parade his tanks. So he'd be in his balcony. And then we're walking up that, that road where the tanks paraded. And as we go through, there's loads of um, Irani uh, soldiers' helmets all in this kind of weird assembly. With the, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of there. So we're walking up. Paul's in his pajamas because he's just had his hernia done. And he's in a pair of bright gold high-top nights. <laughs> Classic. Word is classic. Yeah. We're walking up this. We're walking up this tarmac, and uh, you know it's ridiculous what 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 it once was, and now there's these two idiots walking up there just chatting. Mm. And then mm. uh, Paul, tell him what. Say well, what you I, I said. I, I was comparing like being a stand-up and being a, uh, being in the army, wasn't I? I was saying in the yes. army, in the army, you 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 you're protecting your mates and uh, and and hoping they don't die. And when you're a stand-up, you're hoping your mates do die. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, um, and, 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 and that is what it's like as standards. We're all, we're all in competition and we all get on with each other, but there's nothing more entertaining to another standard than another standard really struggling on stage. I mean, if you're at the comedy store and you're backstage and someone else is storming it, everyone's like, oh, they're storming it, that's fine. And, you know, you try to get your head together so that you can storm it as well and blah, blah, blah. But if you, if you hear that someone's on, on their arse on stage, it immediately clears a dressing room without having a look and having a giggle because it's just, just there's nothing funny. There's just nothing funny. Vine's the best. Vine's the best to watch, Die. Tim Vine's the best. Yeah, you, going, you, you don't like this, do you? You hate it, don't you? Anyway, this fella walks into a bank, right? And, <laughs> and he's getting worse. And then he goes, right, I'm on for two more hours. So okay. this bloke, <laughs> he doesn't let up. He doesn't let fair, up. To be fair, you're, it's always entertaining watching you have struggles as well. Oh, but, yeah. Because you often invite it upon yourself. (laughs) 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 Most comics, if they're having a bit of a drab gig, sort of think that that face forward, try and work it through, change the pace. (laughs) Terry will turn his back to the crowd and go, they don't like me, do you? No, they don't like you. Do you like them? No, I don't like them just dig a hole and jump in with a little yeah I will, I'll crash the car I mean if it's going to happen I'm just going to road crash it yeah yeah totally. to... it's very entertaining it's yeah. very entertaining yeah. but, uh, but also when you storm nothing better I mean nothing nothing better yeah. and what about the what about the compare then so someone's flopped on the stage and there's uh, act two of of the three or four of, I think three per half in the comedy store mm. something like that and, uh, so now he's got to come on he, know, he knows the middle one's absolutely bombed and he's got to come on now or she's got to come on now what and that and what do they do? I mean, they know the person before and he's bombed. Do they got to get a big hand or what? Or well, some people, some people will um, go. Uh, well, come on, Lane, but it wasn't their night tonight. That kind of thing. It's very rare you'll see it somewhere in the store happen unless it's like an open spot, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But then there are there are some there are some people who probably will go out and. I mean, the days of Malcolm Hardy, bless him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean it, the, the circuit has the circuit has changed uh, uh, such, um, and it feels very old school to say it. I mean, you know, when when, when me and Terry started that, if you, if you if you had a bad gig, the compro would just go on and like slate you for ten minutes, and that's quite funny, really, because everyone knows the truth. Do you know what I mean? Everyone knows if someone struggled, and comedy's about truth. So you might as well, I, I think you might as well play that. But now, of course, if you did that. If your compo came on and absolutely slated an actor who's, who struggled, especially if they're just starting out, you'd end up in loads of trouble you'd have, you'd end up going to like victim support groups for the next three months <laughs> uh, so it's so like yeah that's true but anyway give them out and everyone's like and everyone's just lost in this kind of you know comedy's um it's better if you you know like it's like when you're watching a football player you know if they've had a good game it happens yeah. in the moment doesn't it correct. everyone knows everyone knows correct so you know we you know we do the um the, the comedy store gives us a night for the lily our lily foundation charity a member of my niece um mm. lily and um Terry, Terry's uh, done it several times for us. I don't know whether you have, Paul. I don't know whether we, we should get you on it, really. Yeah, but, should. Uh, Kev, we did, um, we, one year, we, so we know the guests in advance and it leaks out to people. And Russell Howe was going to be the guest one year. And um, 
Russell a couple of days beforehand couldn't do it because he was had to do a filming thing. Uh, I think it's a series he's on now with BBC anyway, so he had to do it. And um, so there was only a couple of people who knew. And one of them was my sister-in-law, Lily's mum, Liz, and I was the only other one. Mm. And um, I couldn't be there that night because I was working as well, but they very, very kindly sent me a video, which they never do. And I watched the video and there was this moment where um, Kevin Day comes on. He was a comp and he went, uh, okay, um, Right, I know you're all expecting to see Russell here today. Um, I'm sorry, he can't be here. I oh. can't be here. He can't be here. And there's a massive groan around the comedy. So, but what we do now, normally this slot on a Monday night is to say for someone who's just starting out in comedy, uh, just like an apprentice comedian, if you like, and needs a lot of love, needs a lot of your support. So please, ladies and gentlemen, give this newcomer a real welcome on stage. Please welcome to the comedy store, Mr. Jack D., Nice. And Jack walks out. The place goes absolutely mental. Jack gets the microphone and says, this is a charity do. Am I not getting paid then? Walks off. Right. <laughs> um, and came back on again and stormed it. But it was, it, it was, uh, it was brilliant to see him, you know, it, and it's a great, I love, I love comedy and uh, the players do as well. Don't they, Barry? You, it's a, there's a sort of, they, they do love their, it, we've talked about how difficult it is to perform in front of an audience of footballers but in terms of um individuals you know yes, you knew really bobby more like i did and and bobby had great friends in the comedian and the in the comedy world didn't he, he Kipper lynch was one yeah, of his he, favorites yeah he, he did indeed um, yeah there's there's one story um that tommy cooper one of you know one of my heroes if you, oh uh, yeah yeah and uh, i know for a lot of comedians he's uh Right up at the top of their list, but Shit. Um, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a friend of mine who you might know, a guy called Keith Bishop, who's otherwise known as the uh, the Bishop of Soho, uh, works in PR and does Mike Ashley's PR, etc. So it tells you how good he is. Um, and um, Keith was doing work experience at a theatre. I think it was uh, the one in Haymarket, the Prince of Wales, or something, and. It was a cabaret show and Tommy Cooper was top of the bill and oh, Keith was about 17. And um, the bell was going in Tommy Cooper's room telling him there was five minutes, no sign of him. The stage manager goes and knocks on the door. He's not in there. So he turns to Keith and said, he's probably in the pub next door. Go and tell him he's on. I don't know if you've heard this story before. <laughs> so Keith runs next door. He's 17 years old. Uh, and there's Tommy Cooper sitting at the bar with a drink and uh, Keith fro froze, you know, there's this legend sitting at the bar and Tommy Cooper looked up and said to him, you all right, son? And he, uh, yes, Mr. Cooper. Uh, yes, Mr. Cooper. He said, uh, you're on, Mr. Cooper. And Tommy Cooper went, how am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, dear. There's always there was always old stories about him getting the uh, the, the the you know the jobs worth of the theatre at that time to poke the curtains while he sat in the dressing room with the mic just going <laughs> ah, I can't get through it you know and it wasn't even him until he decided to walk out I mean it's just great stories yeah yeah I mean, I've I've met, I've had to get for managers that I work for um, you know when Lee Evans was touring um, you know it was. You know, when Pards was the manager of Newcastle, you know, I had to get something like 50 tickets for players and staff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Lee, you know, Lee being Lee, is such a nice fella, comes, you know, and sees them all afterwards, and he's still working afterwards, entertaining yeah. them in a room, and yeah. Yeah, he was, fam he was famous, uh, Lee, for just signing all the autographs at the end of the gig and still being just waiting till everyone had gone by the end, you know, it was yeah. incredible. Yeah. We came out of Wembley once after a Liverpool game, myself and Lee and Lee's wife and, mm. and my wife. And, um, we came out of the, uh, the staff entrance trying to avoid all the people that had gathered around the main entrance. But there was a couple of wise old autograph collectors who sell the photos on eBay waiting. And, uh, this guy put 10 photos of Lee on stage, all exactly the same, same size, etc. and asked Lee to sign them. And Lee said, yeah, of course, because he would never refuse anyone, but he signed them all Lee eBay. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, yeah, so... Um, uh, 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 sweating, you, you used to work on the dodgems. <laughs> um, yeah, Lee, Lee was incredible. I mean, I've never seen a, com a comedian 
storm it as much as Lee. No, no. Incredible. When I started off, it was like, um, I remember doing a gig at the Comedy Cafe then. And the thing about Lee was he was working from the minute he entered the room because he was always late to arrive at gigs when he was Correct. in the circuit. Have, have I been on? Have I been on? Am I, am Which am meant I, that he was like, oh my God, I'm late. I'm late. And so he was, he, was in, he was in character from the minute. Yeah, Correct. He went on, he absolutely, st- he stormed it so hard at the Comedy Cafe that he had to, he literally had to stop performing for like. It's exactly the same as I saw Paul at the Comedy Store. Everyone he had was to stop. Absolute bits, he just stopped. He just wasn't doing anything. He was, I've never seen anything like it. The guy was utterly exciting. I, I remember him walking on for the first time. I, I'd worked with Lee, but the first gig I ever did, he was a compare, but it's the first time I saw him do a gig and it was at the old comedy store, which was a funny old shape. It's like the shape of an old-fashioned Yale key. So mm. it had a big round bit and then a long bit down sort of stage right. It was always a bit mm. weird, wasn't it, Paul? Mm. And it, exactly mm. what Paul said, he would come in and go, have I ever, am I, uh, I don't know if I've, um, he'd be pointing at his watch going, have I, uh, I don't know, am I, am I on? You know, am I late? You know, and uh, I remember him going on with these great big orange uh, headphones. Oh, yeah. Great big oh. foam headphones <laughs> with a little white tape recorder. And he'd and he come on and go, in a big loud voice, we go, have you heard this? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, this. And he'd be like, Mama, just killed a man. And then he'd pull the wire out of the tape recorder, and it's him on the tape recorder yeah. going, Mama. <laughs> and exactly the same, Paul, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. He had to stop. I've never seen anything like it. He literally had to stop. Yeah, to, to let people so, get their breath. It's yeah, lovely. It was, it was lovely. 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 Yeah. JP and T, the football friendly. 60 minutes into the game, he could have stormed his debut, nil-nil. And what happened, Barry? Can you remember? I do indeed. Manchester United got a penalty. And I think Ted hit the post with it. He certainly didn't score. Um, yeah. <laughs> United did win in the end, but that's a way to fluff your, uh, yeah. your big moment. How did that move come about? Was it always going to be Manchester United for Teddy? Because he was replacing, as we said earlier, he was replacing Cantona, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, it happened very late in the window and... Um, I, th- I think be- um, because of what Ted had done in Euro 96, uh, the summer before was still quite fresh in mm. people's mm. minds and obviously fresh in Sir Alex's. And um, yeah, I had been, if I'm being honest, I had been speaking to Liverpool as well. I'd, I'd, I'd met uh, the manager of Liverpool, Roy Evans, at the time, mm. and there was a possibility that he might go there. But. Uh, I think once uh, Martin Edwards made the phone call and said, would you like to come and see us? We've agreed a fee with Tottenham. Uh, you could get a plane then from Stansted to Manchester. I think you know, we were on the first available plane going up to Manchester. Uh, it really worked. It really worked. He was amazing for United. Was, yeah. it true, was it true that he had a problem? It was just something I read the other day that him and Keane didn't really... <laughs> oh, I know this story in the van. Well, I don't know. I don't know the story. Well, no, Ted's told me the story, so I think it's the story. Is it the story where Keane started on him in the van? Yeah, they were on a players' night out. Yeah. A few drinks had been supped, and uh, 
But then Roy, Roy Keane, you know, Teddy wasn't alone in Roy Keane not speaking to him. Yeah, yeah. Michael was the same, and yeah, yeah. yeah. it's quite a strange group actually. And you know, they, a problem with Cole as well, Andy uh, Andy Cole. And, that's right. Yeah. 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 In fact, the whole team. They didn't speak, did they? Yeah, I, oh. I heard Sheringham and Cole didn't speak. Yeah, yeah. But that's true, Barry. Ted's a very yeah, it, it was. It was. Um, Teddy got substituted in an England game at Wembley, mm. uh, and it, like any good pro, he, he wasn't happy about being substituted. And as he came off, he just walked straight past the guy going on, and the guy going on was Andy Cole. Mm. Uh, and, uh, Andy Cole blames Lap for their uh, non-speaking, mm. but uh, right. yeah, there was another occasion at Old Trafford when Ted blamed Andy Cole for. Bolton scoring a goal, I think, and uh, Andy Cole asked him who he was talking to. Mm, mm. So I mean, they, and, and Andy Cole had, I mean, the, the Solis had difficulties, difficulties with Cantona as well, wasn't it? I mean, it, it's very sort of, it's incredible because footballers perform at such a high level and they're all competing with each other for places and yet they've got to, they've got to help each other as well. For the, they've got to sacrifice themselves for the team and stuff. I find it a fascinating yeah, dynamic. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Balance, you know? I mean, Sheringham's obviously a very strong character. King's a strong character. No one's chatting to Andy Cole. Cantona's... But, but it works, didn't it? I mean, it, it, unbelievable. It works. It's You've got to be a strong character, Paul, to cross that white line. And Absolutely. Absolutely. In front of 70,000 people every week. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, who's your favourite, Paul? Who's your favourite United over the years? Well, I mean, I mean, Keane's... Keane's just was, was was a monster for United. I mean, Keane's like one of the all-time great uh, captains. Uh, you know, and uh, Cole and York up front, it's hard to get beyond that 1999 team. Um, you know, Beckham, Keane, Scholes and Giggs. Eric, like, Eric. You know, of course, Eric, of course, yeah. Mm. Um, he changed everything at United. Um, and you and you hope that you hope that we can sort of, I don't know whether you can, obviously you can't. The, the big thing for United is, was that, was the, was the Ferguson years just some weird outlier where everything worked, or has it changed the the, the whole the, the structure, the paradigm of the club? And we, it felt really weird to get Zolskjaer in after a manager so good, so good as Ferguson. Suddenly you've got someone with such little experience at the mm -hmm. highest level. It's just like, are we one of the biggest teams in the world or not? You know, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. And I suppose you can link that with the Glazers and the way they've trashed the trashed the club since the heights of the Ferguson years is it's incredible. You look at the squad now. It's getting, it's starting to get a bit better uh, with Casemiro and stuff, and it's getting genuine world world class players. But it's incredible how they've trashed that team. It's just it's it's hard to understand how it's happened. Right? I'll tell you one little story about uh, the the best thing for me in '99. I was fortunate to be in Barcelona, mm. uh, and uh, along with the other million people that say they were in the stadium that night. <laughs> and the morning after, uh, the party had gone on at the Arts Hotel in Barcelona till about, I don't know, 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, they had to get a flight at 12 o'clock to be back in Manchester to do the open top bus thing and, you know, with all the trophies and all that sort of stuff. And um, I thought I'd go over to the Arts Hotel and just to see him off. And he was in a room with his uh, fiancée and I had Charlie, his son, with me. And um, I knocked on his the door, door of his room and his fiancée opened the door and she said go and have a look at him Baz he's in the shower and in this <laughs> hotel in this hotel they had these brick built you know uh, showers with a seat in with jets everywhere and uh, I looked around the corner he's got the door open on the shower he's sitting on the seat with all the jets on him and the only thing he's wearing is his medal from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and and he, he just looked at me and through a, through a haze, he just said, uh, what's it all about, Baz? Slow's <laughs> <laughs> words. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. What I get that. I get that. I get that. Uh, I, do you get that, Paul, as well? That kind of thing where you have something, you do that euphoric gig. Yeah. And then you and then you sort of go oh because the thing is for for us as comedians and probably the same as footballers you know we we go to the gig on our own then we're on the, if you're doing a tour show then you're on stage on your own and then you're back in the dressing room on your own and then you're in the car going back on your own and it's yeah, the yeah, weirdest yeah, yeah. it's weird isn't it Paul well yeah it's it's the it's the sort of um, it's just the contrast isn't it it's the ultimate it's a massive contrast I suppose 
at least with the footballers, you share it with the team. But then, of course, you know, you suddenly, you, you'll get those moments on your own to reflect as well. And you've been watched by, you know, 80,000 people and suddenly you're just hung over in a shower. But it's, yeah. it's not a bad moment, is it? Boston, with no, it's crazy. I mean, it's it just crazy. lives in the memories of people for ages, doesn't it? Once, you, once you've done something like that, it's like you never have to buy another drink what, again. What's it, JP, what's it like when you've commentated on something like that? It's weird because it doesn't live in your memory because if you, you do so many games, um, for example, now uh, in the next three weeks, I've got virtually a game a day because the European Champions League starts and the Europa League starts and so on and so on. You can't, you, it can't stay in your mind. Mm. You have to, so I get back to the car, bang, it's gone. I remember um, in 2010, we were, we were doing a World Cup game. It was Martin Keown's first World Cup. And um, we'd been to see a game, I think it was Germany against um, Ghana, it might have been. And um, on the way back, Martin was was making a diary and he was putting in the formations of the teams. And Martin notes about the games he'd just seen. We'd literally got out of the commentary position, gone back, got into the minibus to get back to where we were staying. So we'd left the commentary position 10 minutes before. He sat down, he said, oh, just remind me, JP, of the formations, will you? I can't, can't mind. I can't. Well, who, who played where? I can't. I can't. It's gone. It's gone. Well, wow. what do you mean it's gone, fella? And I've got. I'm on to the next game. I'm mm, on to, in my mm, mind. I'm mm, on to France, mm. whoever it was. And mm. and I can't. I can't do it any other way because. Um, and people come up to me and say, "Or, oh, you, you know, where did where did so and so play for for Lorient in France?" And I'm not on Lorient that week, so I can't. I can't think. And they'll turn around and say, well, you don't know what you're talking about then, do you? I said, no, because this week I'm doing Saint-Etienne against so-and-so. Mm. So I'm thinking about them. And it is, it is weird, but it is, it's like yeah. you lot. It's a lonely journey back. You know, it's a lonely journey back from grounds. But it's also a testament as well to, to good commentary, isn't it? Because you've got to be in the moment, haven't you? You're, you know, they're playing the game, you're commentating on the game, and the best commentators are in that moment as we watch it. And it's an art form, isn't it? Good commentary. I think the other thing, the moment to moment. Yeah. I think the other thing is the preparation. Cause I know we've spoke about this before me and Jonathan, it's the preparation. I think Mm. that you have to know everything. Cause when you hear people like Jonathan commentating, it's like they know every single thing about every single player and every single stat. It's crazy. And it makes a difference when it's nonchalant as well. It just comes out of you. Yes. brilliant. And this, this about three or four weeks ago, I was doing this podcast with Terry and our wonderful producer Paul Daniels. Who Paul we never Daniels, give enough, uh, we never give him enough. We never give enough mentions to Paul Daniels. We, we, I still can't go over it. It's, it's magic. He, he's come back from the dead to do this. It's brilliant. <laughs> anyway, so we, we, we do, and I turned on my my laptop afterwards to start my homework for the next night. It's gone. Everything hard drive's oh, been stripped yes. and. Um, the hard drive's gone, and they don't know whether or not it's been nicked or what's happened to it. It's up now at Laptop Hospital being fixed, and uh, I've got years and years and years of player biogs on there and everything like that. So, yeah, it's a bit difficult at this moment in time. It's funny, actually, because the laptop guy came, and he, he phoned me up three or four days later. I'm digressing here, but anyway, he's a very nice fella, and he obviously loves computers, and he phoned <laughs> me up and said, um, he said, I've got bad news for you and good news for you as well. And I said, okay, well, we think we might be able to retrieve in. Mr. Pierce has gone to Laptop Hospital in London. Oh, well, that's good, isn't it? Well, <laughs> you need to brace yourself. And I said, okay, why? Seven grand. It might go to Laptop Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, there isn't Laptop Heaven, is it really? It's only a computer. And there was silence. There was utter silence on the other end of the phone. You know. That would be the cloud, wouldn't it? Laptop Heaven. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> We're in transfer deadline week, Barry. What's your worst transfer deadline week story for us? Uh, uh, to be honest, I've only really had one that went to the last day to anywhere near the deadline, and that was uh, Matthew Upson going from Birmingham to West Ham. And that was one of the first signings of the new owners of West Ham at the time, the Icelandics, a guy called Egert Magnusson. Uh, who, for me, always looked like he'd just come out of a flying saucer. He had a a bald head and pointed ears, and he was a little man, and uh, he was really... I I just remember him being sitting in the boardroom at West Ham with him while Matt was having his medical, and he was totally out of his depth. And, uh, well, I, I think the bank 
that uh, purchased West Ham, the Icelandic bank, uh, went bust, didn't it? And within a year or two of uh, that, but uh, yeah, there was yeah, he, it was just it was an agent's delight to be honest dealing with him. Do, do you? Um, is it still the case, or, or is that gone now? Some you used to have agents. You used to represent the buying club, the selling club, a player, yeah. even the manager as well. I mean, yeah. did, did that ever happen? Does it still happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. I'm, I'm sure it does. But uh, it's it's a bit like the Wild West now, uh, JP. Because um, when I first became an agent, I you used to have a little card like an identification card and it had your number on it. And I, I was the 25th agent uh, that the FA had licensed. Um, today, I think there are over 5,000 intermediaries mm, 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 and there are about 3,000 professional footballers. So God knows who, who they're all representing. Right, you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. They get them very young, don't they? They're now kids coming into clubs are being approached by agents when they're very, very young, even before they sign pro forms. That's not right, is it? No, 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 no. I, 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 w- I was fortunate a couple of weeks ago to go to go to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium at the invitation of uh, Chris Powell, and um, they were taking the first year scholars there on a tour around the ground. And while they were taking them on the tour, they got. Uh, Jermaine Defoe and Michael Dawson to present them with their first Spurs shirts, which mm. I thought was oh, a lovely, wow. nice. Yeah. A, a nice touch on the pitch. At the oh, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. But you look at those kids and they all think they're going to be stars. And yeah. the chances are that not one of them will ever play for Spurs' first team. No, they're probably playing for South End. <laughs> wow. I don't think they're that bad, but... <laughs> Shut your mouth up! <laughs> Who would you like to see come into Man U in the next few days, Paul, before the deadline? Well, I mean, I, mean I, I still think, I, I, st- I don't really know who's out there, but I still think we need another centre forward. I mean, you know, you know, it feels like Ronaldo is going to go, wants to go. Marshall's often injured. Rashford um, it, it, it has been very erratic the last couple of seasons. Uh, Anthony's going to make a difference. Sancho shows promise, but in, st- in terms of like 15, 20 goals a season, Merchant, we just we just don't have them. Um, obviously, Ronaldo was the highest scorer last season, but the, the, it does feel like the system's changing. So, it'd be nice to accommodate that. But apart from that, we could do with a new right back. I'm sort of two weeks ago, everyone was saying that how appalling the United transfer wins it was, and we're in for an out of it on just old old kind, just just players who didn't seem like United. But the Casemiro thing felt like a bit of a game changer. Anthony feels like a quality player. So overall, United fans are feeling a bit more positive, but we could we could definitely do with someone up front. Well, I think Casemiro. When people talk about Real Madrid over the last you know how many years it's been now, and people talk about the the, the great players, the Benzema's, the, the uh, you know the the um, the players that have been there, Cristiano and, mm-hmm. and Gareth Bale. I, I think the glue that's held it all together is Absolutely. Casemiro. Absolutely, I, I think that you know people talk about their midfield and, and the Modric's and Tony Kroos. I, I think he's unbelievable, and what he's done in his career, he's outstanding, and he's he's still got the hunger. You know, he, he comes yeah, from yeah. Uh, he comes from uh, an area of uh, Sao Paulo called San Jose. Uh, it's not uh, San Jose, sorry, it's not um, it's not an affluent area, and he's had that mm-hmm. hunger from when he was playing football in the favelas in the in the streets, a little bit like Anthony, because mm-hmm. Anthony mm-hmm. came from a, a rough background, you know, and he, he's still got that hunger now, and I, I think. What he did at Real Madrid in all, all those games, 336 games he played for Real Madrid, won everything. I, I think he's a wonderful signing. Uh, yeah. But they won't be able to play a high press with him, as I was saying no. earlier. No, but um, you're, hope, you're hoping that sort of that, that sort of hunger might transmit to the players. And Martinez is, is tough and likes his one-on-ones. And uh, Malasha as well, left the new left-back. I mean, you know, Shaw's maybe might technically be a better player, but he's so committed in his one-on-ones. And it just feel like, that there might be a bit of a culture change going on. We, we, we're showing a bit more steel, you know, and Casemiro could be part of that. But he needs better players around him. Like you say, you know, Modric. Yeah, that, that winning mentality, you know, is important because, mm. again, if you change clubs, look at Brighton Hove Albion, the way they're playing football and everyone's talking about Graham Potter. The signing of Adam Lallana mm. was absolutely key because he went into that dressing room and said, it's, it, it's half-time, we're leading 1-0, 
and we're not going to lose this game mm. because mm. he was a winner from Liverpool, and I think he's, I think that's gone through that dressing room as well. And yeah. they've got a different attitude, Barry, haven't they? In the transfer window, the way Brighton Hove Albion are doing. I mean, they've, they spent thirty million pounds this season, this, this summer. Chelsea one hundred and fifty-eight, West Ham one hundred and sixty-four, Manchester United will be up around the two hundred million mark uh, when Anthony signs. Brighton go about it a different way, don't they? Are you an admirer of that? The way they bring in players and know they're going to get more value from them when they sell them on. Uh, Definitely. I I think uh, they're one of the leaders uh, in recruitment. And for me, nowadays, uh, the first three things a club should be worrying about are recruitment, recruitment and recruitment. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you don't get the right players, perhaps United haven't recruited the right players over the last few years. Recruitment's been rubbish. Forgive me for uh, being really stupid. What is the difference with Brighton to the rest of the world then? They've got a very good setup from the chairman all the way down through director of football. I know he's moved on now to Newcastle United, but they re- replace him with David Weir, a good football man, and um, yep. they've got good recruitment policy there. And they are they look they target players who they know they can bring in. Players like Kukurea comes in for virtually nothing, sells him, they sell him for sixty yep. million pounds. That's their model. It's Brentford's model. One or two others are now trying it. Mm. You know, Nottingham Forest have gone a completely different way. Eighteen players, hundred and forty-one well, yep, million pounds spent. But um, mm. I think I think Brighton are, um, and Brentford's models are that they are to be admired. You know, um, Crystal Palace are doing it similarly. I think now they're trying to get Conor Gallagher back in from Chelsea, which would be a good signing. Mm. What happens mm. to Zaha will be a different thing. How about that, Paul? Zaha back to Manchester United? I don't think he'd go because of the way what happened to him beforehand. But Chelsea really? are sniffing round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it'd be great, you know, but I don't think he'd go. I think I think that time, I think that time's gone. I mean, it's interesting you, you mentioned the, the Brighton model because you know, getting players come in and they're going to fit the system and stuff. It, it, it feels like United, United pay more because it's United, don't they? And we broke our own, but, you know, by spending that much on Maguire, it's like teams think, you know, let's just press them and see how much we're going to get. And such is the desperation at the club. They end up paying nearly 100 million for Anthony. Um, but at least they're 10 hard players, at least they're players that he wanted. It's not players foisted upon him. That's the thing at the moment. Yeah. They are, they're back in the manager. Um and that's that's what the that's what it is. it's a, it's a completely different dynamic with Brighton, isn't it? You don't you don't buy players at United to develop and sell. You buy them, at, you want them at their best, don't you? Maguire, where, where, what's his future as a Manchester United fan? I I, th- I think I, I think it's weird with Maguire because he plays so so well for England, and yet he's been he's, he's made a lot of mistakes, and his confidence obviously looks a bit shattered at United. I think he'll play. He'll play this season as a squad player. Varane Martinez seems to be the number one centre-back pairing. But he will play and he's still great on the ball. And I'd like to see him compete and play and uh, and restore his own confidence. I, th- I think there's a really good player in there. But something went really wrong last season for everyone. It was like a, just a collective nervous breakdown yeah. at United. Last he season. got married. He's part of that. We, we, yeah, we started the, start the podcast talking about Martinez and criticism of Martinez at five foot nine. Fabio Cannavaro. One of my all-time favourite defenders, one of the greatest defenders the world has ever known, five foot nine. Um, so there's nothing in that height thing at all, and I, I wish him well. Back to you in a second. Uh, about time we started to wrap up the podcast. We're coming near time. Barry, point to you. Um, looking down at my notes here now. Um, already, and we've got three days left before the curtain before the curtain drops. One point six three billion spent this summer by Premier League clubs. That's the that's the record ever. Um, the wages are two billion. The annual revenue of the Premier League clubs is around about five point four billion. So there is there is profit there. Of course, we know that. But in days of austerity, global appallingness, one point six three billion pounds spent on footballers this summer. Let me just it's- tell you something quickly here, JP. Uh, twelve uh, twelve days is is a million seconds, right? A billion seconds is, I think, between something like 31, 32 years. So that gives you an idea how much money that is. Is it obscene in this day and age? Is it it's obscene in this day and age, Barry, that the players are still being bought for that much money? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it is, but it's all about the money that's going into the game, Jonathan. That's what dictates, isn't it, at the end of the day? And... Teams need to keep moving forward. Um, you can't stand still. So, you know, Teddy Sheringham went to Manchester United 25 years ago for three and a half million pounds. Uh, what would that deal be worth today? Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
Probably not too much because Ted's 55 now, but... <laughs> He's still doing a job up front for us, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> What's your hopes for this season then, Paul? What would make you smile this season as a Manchester United fan? I think uh, beating Liverpool again, that, oh, that's always the first one you look for. Um, and uh, top four, I think top four would be great. And I think it's just about achievable. I think it's going to be tight. So many clubs could, could be up there this season, but top four in Champions League next season for United, that would that would change the game a little bit for us and, 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 and ensure quality players want to join the club as well. So I, I think a top four would be amazing. And I'll ask you guys one question. What do you think of uh, what's going on at Wrexham? What, with the owners? Yeah. Razzmatazz? Yeah. What happens if it fails? Exactly. Yeah. That'd yeah. be my reservation. What is their out plan here? I know they've done the TV show and what have you, and mm. uh, I know, well, Barry and I have spoke about this, so I kind of really know what's going on, but Bow, you you tell the the listeners what <laughs> you think is going on with the razzmatazz. I, I do have an interest because the, the manager, Phil Parkinson, is a client of mine, so, uh, and I was party to the Zoom calls last summer uh, talking to the owners about, you know, uh, the manager that they wanted. Um, but um, um, the Mac- McAnally and uh, Reynolds do own other companies. They they are quite astute businessmen. Um, you can tell by the, um, the TikTok shirt deal that they've got, which wouldn't go amiss for some Premier League clubs. Mm. Uh, it's, it's like good, I'm told. Um, you can tell in that Wrexham, I understand, used to sell perhaps um, 5,000 shirts in a season, replica shirts, over the course of a season. In the first six months of the ownership of the two guys, they sold a quarter of a million. Wow. And now now with this um, fly-on-the-wall documentary, a 12-parter going out on Disney worldwide, yeah, the the staff at Wrexham is still a very small staff. Just can't cope with the demands. You know, with uh, you know shirt sales, etc. It's just astronomical. Why didn't he? Why didn't he come down the seafront at South End? Why didn't he buy that club? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your owner wants to sell. Tell. Oh, I know he doesn't. I know he doesn't. Well, anyway. I know. I know. My comment about Ryan Reynolds is he owns a stake in Aviation American Gin. That's right. Yeah. Which I like. Um, so. <laughs> I'll, like I'll have a word. Yeah, but yeah, get a few bottles, tell. Um, <laughs> if, if, if I like what happens to Wrexham as much as I like that, then uh, it'll be good. It's fun, isn't it? It's good. It's anything anything that yeah, makes football fun. fun. Yeah, it anything makes football fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's regenerated that uh, whole sit- city of Wrexham and yeah. football club. And, yeah, you know, they're brilliant. getting 10,000 sellouts every game. And, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uzi, um we're coming to an end. The uh, most, the most important signing of this transfer window, uh, Barry. Um, <laughs> the most important signing, jeez. Uh, it's got to be as someone who was born and bred in Tottenham. It's got to be uh, one of those Spurs players, and perhaps uh, Rich Allison despite his keepy-ups, might prove to be the X factor. That, uh, oh, I'm still going J- Jesus Smith for me. I think, yeah. that's a gra- I think that's a great buy, that is. I think it's a great buy. I think he really suits Arsenal, doesn't he? I, th- I, think, I think ultimately it might be Haaland. Uh, oh, terms, yeah, of course. In, in terms of like utter, <laughs> in terms of just like utter domination and let's just... No, you're right, Paul. I he, mean, he, in terms of like, he could, he could, they're desperate for the Champions League there and that could be what they're... He, he's a cheat, isn't he? I mean, I've said this before on the podcast. I mean, he's not a cheat. Man City, he's a cheat for Man City. He's unbelievable, that kid. Yeah, he's unbelievable. The third goal he got against Palace. Yeah. Oh, it's really amazing, wasn't it? The way they're bounced off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. He pull them off and yeah, yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah good call that. Good call yeah. that. I still, so for yeah, yeah, definitely for their, yeah, those yeah. two, definitely. And I'll go. I'll throw one straight in. Strange one here from left field. Ben Me cost Brentford nothing. If yeah. he keeps them up in yeah, the Premier League, that'd be the most significant. Well, he knows one. how to do that, doesn't he? Well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Listen, uh, 
Thank you ever so much, Barry, for coming on. Thank you ever Cheers, so much, Basil. Paul. It's been a delight. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Tonks. All the best to Manchester United. And um, say hello to Teddy when he's ready, steady, Teddy. Ready, steady, Teddy. Many memory, memory, great memories of commentating with that <laughs> line. Ready, steady, Teddy. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> pleasure. And Paul, before you go, where, where's uh, the book for sale? The well, he's 26.2 Miles to Happiness, a comedian's tale of running, red wine and redemption. Um, I couldn't put it down, insightfully inspiring and laugh out loud funny, Michael McIntyre. <laughs> he's, you your he's, you your <laughs> he's your mate. He's your mate. He's your mate. I know. But also won Telegraph Sports Book uh, Entertainment Book of the Year uh, 2021. So I'll have That's that. brilliant. Thanks everyone for listening to us and uh, recommend us to your friends. And, yeah, leave, uh, a, leave a comment. Leave a comment and you can get us on Twitter as well at JPNT Football. What are you up to this week, Terry? Uh, uh, I'm working for the CIA. I've got some uh, really under, uh, stuff going on with them. I've got to fix a few <laughs> helicopters. What about you, JP? Where are you the weekend? Oh, well, um, I'm I'm doing boring stuff. I'm doing oh, Southampton, yeah. Chelsea, and then I'm doing another game on Thursday, Leicester against Manchester United, and then I'm doing another game on Saturday, <laughs> Chelsea, and then I've got a French game on, uh, on Sunday. Um, so it's a busy week and then Champions League Europa League next week it goes on and on and on a little bit like me <laughs> and, uh, there you are see you ta- next time then yeah ta-ta everybody thank you a podcast from producer paul.co.uk did you know hosting your podcast with ACAST gets you access to the best tools and features and helps you earn money more than any other platform bring your show to ACAST and we'll make sure you get heard get ahead and get paid ACAST has it all one-click sharing to all the listening apps, market-leading insights to understand your podcast performance, and monetization through advertising, sponsorships, and fan subscriptions with ACAST+. Join ACAST with a three-month trial of our paid plan using the code JOIN. Just visit go.acast.com slash join. Sports Social Podcast Network.